Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us for worship here today. My name is Ben. I'm one of your pastors here at Hope. A special welcome to any guests who are with us. If you're joining us online, uh, glad that you are joining us here this morning. Uh, as we begin here today, I've just uh, been processing a question uh, that I just want to kind of pose. You know, I wonder how many of us today who are in the room or joining online would just say, I'm tired. There's just a sense of weariness. There's a sense of being tired. Uh, we got a chance, as a lot of our youth staff, last weekend to take our ninth girders out to Inspiration Point. If you've ever been at a retreat, you know that you don't sleep. Katie can attest to this. Uh, and so I slept for uh, over 12 hours. I slept until 11.30 on Monday morning. Uh, know that there's a baby coming, so it'll never happen again. Uh, so got to get it in now. Uh, but anyway, that's, that's like a physical sense of being tired. I think we, we feel that. Uh, but even more so, I'd say that for some of us, maybe there's, there's even something deeper, like a, a soul weariness, a, a sense of being tired deeper in your soul. And that's why we're doing this series right now called Come to Me. We're looking at those amazing words of Jesus from Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, when he said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. When you're exhausted, when you have nothing else to give, what's the one thing in this world that you want? Rest. Your soul just desires rest. And so in this series, what we're doing is we're saying, what would it look like if it wasn't just, you know, putting all the pressure on me to take care of myself, but what would it look like just to come into the presence of Jesus and allow him to care for me? That's really what our desire, our desire and hope is for this series, Come to Me. Uh, and so we're going to be today in Romans chapter 8. The title of my sermon is More Than Conquerors. Uh, we're going to dive into this passage in just a second uh, and look in, at those words we just heard. Uh, that word conqueror, how would you define the word conqueror? Uh, this is a very intentional word used by the Apostle Paul. Uh, to be a conqueror means to be an overcomer. Uh, it means to take charge of something, to take control of something. Uh, did anyone ever pl uh, play the game King of the Hill growing up? Okay, what's the job? You gotta conquer the top of the hill. Uh, you gotta overcome all the obstacles that it takes to get to the top of the hill. And then once you're there, you gotta stay there. You gotta take charge. Uh, that's the game. Uh, I think a lot of us know what it feels like to conquer something in this world. We, f we know what that feeling is to take charge of something. But at the same time, I think that we also know what it feels like to be conquered by something. To have something take control of us. Not to overcome, but to be overcome. And so today what we're going to look at is Romans chapter 8. The Apostle Paul actually lists a bunch of different things that we are often overcome by, that we're often conquered by. Some of those in our lives are fear, that we can be overcome by feelings of despair, feeling defeated. We are overcome by endless feelings of condemnation, by uh, feeling separated from God as well as separated from others. This is what we're going to see, but at the same time, we're also going to see the reality that in the midst of this reality of our lives, that this is where we find ourselves, that our God in Jesus Christ loves you so much, that he has not left you to be conquered endlessly by the things of this world, but actually he has made you more than a conqueror through him who loved you. 
So we're going to look at that passage today, Romans chapter 8. We're going to begin in verse 31. Uh, Romans 8 is arguably my favorite chapter of all of Scripture. Uh, There's so many benefits, uh, you know, beneficial texts of Scripture uh, that we can look at, and yet Romans 8, the Apostle Paul just communicates the the sufficiency, the uh, provision of God, uh, even in the midst of the best of what this life has to offer as well as the worst that this life has to offer in a way that I found no other text to do. Uh, This is just the beauty of what the Apostle Paul is able to do in this text. And so we're going to begin in verse 31. He uh, begins the end of this chapter by saying, what then shall we say in response to these things? So let's pause there. Uh, These things, whenever we see a, a phrase like that, we need to go back a couple verses earlier and see what is he referring to by the term these things. So we're going to look at Romans 8, verse 28 through 30, uh, and we're going to see what he's referring to in this passage. Romans 8, verse 28, he says, We know that in all things, referring to the best of what we experience in this life and the worst of what we experience and everything in between, in all of this, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. So the Apostle Paul seems to be encouraging the people in Rome at this particular time that uh, even in the midst of the worst that this life has to offer, God is using those things in our lives to actually turn them around for good. And we see that this is not just a New Testament ideology, a New Testament theology. We see that this is actually interwoven through all parts of Scripture. Uh, My wife Jade and I were reading the book of Genesis last month, and we came across Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. In a little context for this particular passage, uh, there's a man named Joseph. Uh, He's got his brothers who are angry at him. They're afraid of him, and so they actually fake his death. And so Joseph, ultimately, because of this, is led to a position of power in Egypt and has this leadership capacity to help save a lot of different people's lives in the midst of an incredible famine in this area of Canaan. And so we get to Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, and Joseph faced his brothers for the first time. And he says these words. He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. You see, it's the sovereignty of God, the provision of God, even in the midst of the most broken parts of life. And so I just want to ask you here today, it's a question that many theologians, just normal people also, like you and me, have been wrestling with for thousands of years. Why do bad things happen? Why do bad things happen in this world? You know, the Apostle Paul, we we hear a lot of different reasonings in our world today, but the Apostle Paul, he, he addresses this and he says the answer is not necessarily easy, but it's actually quite simple. The reason we experience brokenness in the world and the way that it's not supposed to be is because the world is, in its very nature, broken. Since Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, everything that was broken entered into the world, and that's what you and I are experiencing now. You see, we caused that. God did not cause it, but he entered into it in the form of his own son. 
He sent his one and only son to be born of a virgin, to enter into this broken world, to bring hope to a world that was without hope, and to bring rest to a world that did not any longer remember rest. You see, in all of this, he brought us back to himself through the shedding of his own innocent blood on the cross. And so the reality today is I don't know your story. I may not know all the things that you've gone through in this life. I may not know the hardship that you've experienced. But what I can say for certain is that regardless of what you've experienced, all of us in this room have experienced something. Maybe for some of you, it's been actually fairly simple. Maybe for some of you, life has hit you harder than you ever thought it would before. But we've all experienced it. And what Paul's saying is in the midst of that brokenness that you and I inevitably feel, whether great or small, God is working in that brokenness to turn it around for good. That thing in your life may not have been good, it may still not be good, but it's not wasted suffering. If you got cancer, if you have a pain that is growing in your life, if you have an area of, of really intense hardship, it doesn't have to be wasted. Yes, we believe with everything we have, God is going to turn it for good, but we also know that he's going to do something in us along the way. A couple years back, I was doing a hospital visit, and I visited a gal in our congregation, an older gal who uh, was dealing with cancer. Uh, she was going through chemo treatment. She was losing her hair. Um, outwardly, it looked like there was not a lot of hope uh, for this lady. Uh, things were looking pretty rough. And yet, in her, in her conversation, all I saw was nothing but a, a smile on her face. And the smile was not just a front that she was trying to say, you know, everything is okay, and not trying to focus on all the negative, but she fully understood what was happening to her. And yet she believed with everything that she had that regardless of everything that's happening to me in this moment, God is going to turn that around for good. Whether that's by healing her physically, miraculously, where she wouldn't have cancer anymore, and that would give him glory. Whether that would be to give comfort or reassurance to someone who's maybe going through something very similar to her and they could relate to the pain and the struggle that she is going through. Or maybe even if she did not make it through this cancer, and she passed away. She believed those words from the Apostle Paul, to live as Christ, to die as gain. If I go on to live in this life, I'm going to live for him. If I die, I'm going to go be with him. Regardless of what happens in the situation, he's going to use this bad, and he's going to turn it around for good. And I just thought to myself, man, I can only hope to have a faith like that someday. I'm afraid that says, regardless of everything that I see going downhill and crashing down around me, that everything's going to be okay because my God has me in the palm of his hand. At this point in the text, he continues with this train of thought in verse 31. He says, if God is for us, better understood, since God is for us, then who can be against us? Think about that. What an amazing statement from the Apostle Paul. Paul's not telling us that nothing is ever going to happen bad in our lives. He's not telling us that no one is ever going to be against you. But he's saying, because God is for you, who cares who is against you? Since God is for us, everything is going to be okay. Let's make it more personal. Since God is for you, everything's going to be okay. Because God is 
greater. He's above everything that we ever experience in this life. He's greater than your fear. He's greater than your trials. He's greater than your hardships. He's greater than your pain. Yes, your pain is real, but he has overcome all of it, and he is greater. Therefore, we place our trust in him, knowing that regardless of what it is that we face, he is going to turn that around for good. Man, maybe some of us hear that this morning. We think, man, that sounds good. Those words are encouraging. We often hear encouraging words, especially when we come to worship. But maybe we hear that and we think, what does that mean for my pain right here, right now? What does that mean for my cancer? What does that mean for my divorce? What does that mean for my pain that I'm physically feeling every single day? Is he going to do something about it? Is he going to enter into it? And if that's where you're feeling that this morning, if that's where you find yourself, I want to invite you to look at verse 32. It said, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? So God has loved you so much that he did not even withhold his one and only son to redeem you. My wife Jade and I were having baby girl any week, any day. I cannot imagine losing our baby girl, let alone sacrificing our baby girl for anybody, and yet that's what he has done for all of us. If you've been alive for more than five minutes, you know that this world is broken. You've experienced the pain that this world brings, whether by your sin or by the sin of somebody else, or just the broken nature of this world, or by Satan himself coming and doing everything he can to tear you down. But at the same time, as followers of Jesus, we recognize that, yes, we have a real enemy at hand. But we also have a God who loves us so much that he has not left us alone to deal with that by yourself, but he actually entered into our pain to bring freedom from it. That's what Paul is saying, that he came to bring us freedom, to bring us grace, even in the midst of the greatest hardship that we experience in this life, so that through his death and through his resurrection, Paul says, we may have all things. And I think it goes without saying, but whenever we hear a phrase like, all things, we need to understand Paul's not saying that Jesus died and Jesus rose again so that in his death and resurrection you can have everything that you want. But what he is saying is that through his death, through his resurrection, you can have everything that you need for your life with him. You see, we may not get what we want, but he's going to give us what we need. There's this theology that says Jesus died, he rose again to give you all the desires of your heart, to give you everything that you can want. And we gotta reject that because it's evil. It's from Satan. It's not something that's actually from him. It's not about getting what we want. It's about getting what we need. And that's where Paul's saying that's the point because he didn't even withhold his one and only son to redeem you. In Jesus Christ, we have everything that you and I could ever need for our life with God. And because of that reality, listen closely to his words in verse 33. He said, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? To which the implied answer is, no one. Why is that? Because it is God who is the one who justifies. 
Who then is the one who condemns, Paul says. Again, no one, Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Let's pause there. Did you hear that word, interceding? It's used in the present tense of the verb, meaning that it's not just that Jesus interceded for us, which he did, but that he continually is interceding for you. Did you know that Jesus prays for you? He's at the right hand of God right now, 24-7. He never sleeps, he never eats, he never rests, but he is continually interceding for you on your behalf that you may have every single thing that you need to have your life with God. Not just Jesus, we see this with the Holy Spirit too. In Romans chapter eight, the same chapter, it says the Spirit intercedes for us with groans too deep for human understanding. What this tells us is God is the one who is fighting our battles. We do not need to fight alone. Therefore, he says, verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? He goes down the line, shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, quotes from Psalm 44, verse 22, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. So yes, in this life, we will face hardship. We will face trouble. We will face persecution. But Paul's asking the question, will we be conquered by these things? To which he says, no. We will not be conquered. Why? Because in all these things, we have been made more than conquerors through him who loved us. Yes, we face hardship everywhere we go, but he says, no longer, when you are in Jesus Christ, will you be conquered by this? For you've been made more than a conqueror through the one who gave his life for you. What does this mean? It means if you have fear today, come to me, Jesus says. Come to Jesus and he will replace your fear for faith. If you have despair in your life today, the message is come to Jesus. He will trade your despair for hope. Your despair will not leave you destitute. If you have adversaries and enemies in your life, the message is come to Jesus. All your enemies will be silenced. If you have an unmet need in your life, Jesus is saying, come to me. I will be everything that you will ever need in this life and more. If you are condemned here this morning, if you have an overwhelming sense of condemnation, the message is come to Jesus for he will turn your condemnation into his justification. If you are separated from God today, the message is come to me, come to Jesus Christ and there will no longer be any separation. He will turn your separation into sanctification as he grows you continually in holiness. And if you are defeated here today, may you remember that Jesus Christ on that cross in himself has defeated the power of sin, death, and the grave for you for all eternity. So what does that mean for us here today? It means as the people of God, may we do what the apostle Paul says and rise up, and may we be the people who God has called us victoriously to be and join with the Apostle Paul in saying that we too are convinced that neither height nor death, 
nor death or life or angels or demons or neither the present or the future or any powers or anything else in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Again, I don't know your story. I don't know what it is that you're facing. I don't know the pain that you've gone through in the past. But what I can promise you today on the authority of God's word is that no matter what it is that you go through in this life, that he has paved a way to be with you through all of it. And he is working it for your good. And that no matter what it is that you face, when it seems like all the winds and the waves of life are crashing down and you can't take one more breath, he will be right there with you to remind you that he has made a way for you where there was no way. And that no matter what it is that we experience, no matter what it is that we may feel conquered by in this life, he will remind us that we no longer are conquered by anything, for we have been made more than conquerors through him who loved us. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today that in Jesus Christ we have been made more than conquerors. That, Lord, we do experience all that this life brings, the good and the bad. But because of Christ, no longer are we conquered by any of it. Father, we thank you for the freedom that comes by the power of the cross and the empty tomb. Father, fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit today that we may be renewed in that promise. We love you, Lord. We thank you for our time together this morning. We pray all this in Jesus Christ's name and all of God's people said, amen.